Tonight we're going to turn in our Bibles to Acts 16, verse 25 is where we'll start. Acts 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in, came in trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved in my house. Lord God, just help me to uh, bring a message of love and help tonight, and also encouragement for my own walk with giving the gospel. And I just, um, I just want to thank you, Lord, for bringing this congregation today in this Bible study, and, um, and just know that um, we all love you, God, and we worship you with all heart, minds, and soul. In your name we pray, Jesus Christ, amen. amen. All right, so I do have to start my timer because I love talking about the gospel, Amen. and this could turn into two hours. You know? I'm not going to do that. Um, I, have to, I have to digress just a, a, a quick bit, because I find the Holy Ghost amazing that every single hymn that we sung today was about giving the gospel. And some of it was just, like if you read uh, in 96 there, Bring Them In, um, bringing the wandering ones to Jesus, and, uh, and bring them in from fields of sin. He's telling us, go out, get them it's too late. I think also, we were at 104, was it? Um, rescue the perishing, right? The, um, the verse says, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Amen. A lot of these verses were literally like, tell them of Jesus before it's too late. Amen. 107, I think, was the other one. So little time. I, um, was this the one? I believe it was. So little time, the harvest will be over. I think that the Holy Ghost is here with us right now. And um, I would imagine, I want you, um, first of all, the title of this preaching tonight is Giving the Gospel in a Moment's Notice. Be able to give the gospel in a moment's notice. And I want you to imagine you're on a plane. And the plane will be landing shortly, right? Somebody next to you expresses that they're lost in life. And they say to you, I want to know about Jesus in the gospel, okay? Are you ready? Right? Do you, do you know? You know, because I'm standing with a room full of believers, and I've been there myself where it's like, I'm ready, and then I fumble around. I'm like, I'm not ready. What I, I know I believe. You know, I've had the fear of God, and I've had the love of God in me, but how do we get the gospel across to someone that quick? And if we only had a few moments... I want to encourage you tonight to just listen to the way I do it, the way I lead someone to the Lord. And maybe you have your own method, and maybe you haven't done it in a while. That's okay. I've been there too. But we should all be ready to give the gospel in a moment's notice. There's a lot of lost out there. Um, I put some invite cards in the aisles today, all right? And um, they're all spread out. You guys can grab one if you want. If not, I can just... Read it for you. I want the congregation to know I love this invite card. 
and I've been saved about 10 years now, but when I, if, if you gave me this, I would look at it and be like, well, this church has got it right, right here. This isn't an invite card. Is this cardstock? No, this is a weapon of warfare against spiritual wickedness. And this right here has got five of my favorite verses for evangelizing on it, right here on this card. Love this card. Thank you, Printing Press. These are, these are just amazing. But if you only had this card, you can hand it to somebody and walk away, or you can say, hey, you can have one, you can have one yourself and read that with them. You can point it out. There is a ton of great information on this card. You could evangelize with this little card here for, for a half hour if you'd like. Dear friend, God desires you to be 100% certain when you die, you will live with him for eternity. It's what we ask as Bible-believing Christians when we're checking on someone's salvation. Are you 100% certain you're going to heaven when you die? Well, if you're 99.9% sure, you ain't 100% sure, right? So maybe if you got a few moments, can I just take my Bible and show you what it says about going to heaven? So this, this card right there starts out great, has everything. We're going to talk a little bit about context later, but one, two, three, four, five, the context is there. Number one, there's only one way to God. That's the context. Then we got some scripture in there. Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but through me, right? Number two, problem is we all have sin. One of my favorite verses, the soul one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one's righteous enough to get to heaven on their own. Not one person in this room. So right there, you're making somebody feel comfortable. Like, you know, hey, I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned. You can get them to admit. Now, I think I've broken salvation down, and I didn't do it. I, I, me and my wife chose um, being a Baptist. When we went through 10 different religions, we were thick in the world 10 years ago. And we went into some of the most wackiest churches in the world, but we were searching. Some of them, we, I can't even believe we came back to, to Christ because we were just looking for the truth. My wife says she remembers. One day I came home, I said, I think it's Baptist. And she, and, and she, said, I, she said, why? And I said, because it's the Bible. The Bible is the answer for figuring out salvation in God. And so that's what they do. And so I stuck with it, got myself a King James Version, and here we are now. So... You can't go wrong with the Baptist view. And Romans Road style soul winning is as old as Baptist. It's as old as like when the Pope was burning us in the fire because we wanted to read this thing, you know? <laughs> it's not something that Baptists have come up with. But all it is is leading someone to the Lord through Scripture. Context is important. We're going to go over that later, but there's only one way to God. The problem is we all sin. Our sins separated from God. That's the context. So you can use that context, but you can also tell your story as you're talking about it. Say, our sin separated us from God, but Christ willingly came to die. He, who his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree. That means Jesus was taking on all of our sins when he was on that cross. All your lies, all the murder, everything. He had never sinned, but that verse means he had taken every sin on in the whole world. It makes you eligible to be saved, my friend. And this is me talking to the guy on the plane. Right? But maybe there's some in this room, as Pastor Brooks always says, that needs the gospel. You know? And one of us, not Brooks, not just Brooks, not just Brother Brock, not people who are well-versed, we all should be well-versed and ready to give the gospel in a moment's notice. Um, but I believe that salvation comes down to admit, no, believe, ask. Right? And a lot of that is the sinner's prayer. you got to admit you're a sinner if you want to be saved. If you can't admit you're a sinner... Unfortunately, I'll drop a couple verses, but by the second admonition, I have to move on to the next door. Because if you can't admit you're a sinner, 
hopefully that seed opens up later. You got to know the penalty for your sin. It's the second death. It's hell. And you also got to believe. You got to believe in the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you got to ask to be saved according to the Bible. Admit, know, believe, and ask. So tonight, I'd like you to know if you have this card, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful weapon of spiritual warfare with so much love on it. And when, when, I, I, when I lead somebody with this card, I get to grace. You've already been to admit and know on this card. And now we're about to tie it in. And salvation is a free gift. I love Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace you're saved, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. But number five, where we get to believe and ask, you must make a decision to receive God's free gift of salvation by calling on Jesus Christ the Lord. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You could stop there and talk to someone. So that's saying right there, you just got to talk. Ask God to save you. As we continue, Romans 10, 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you believe in this death, burial, and resurrection, my friend on the plane here, and you ask God to save you, I always end when I'm evangelizing with this verse right here, if I get someone to pray, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That includes you, Mr. Friend on the plane, who's lost looking for answers in life. So how do we call upon the name of the Lord? Prayer. That's how we talk to Jesus. That's how we talk to God. So we're going to ask somebody to pray and ask God to be saved. I want to show the congregation how I do it. And I've met many soul winners before, have many different ways. I've, I've kind of adjusted mine throughout time, but I haven't changed too much. I've had a verse here. My wife will be out soul winning with me. She'll be like, she'll be like you know, less is more. <laughs> Certain times, so. <laughs> but I, I pretty much, I've stuck to one script. But, you know, I know people, excellent soul winners, excellent Baptists that, um, that don't do anything from Romans. But the point is, I preached this um, at one of the men's breakfasts a long time ago, and Pastor Brooks wanted me to preach this to the congregation. And so here I am now. This is the way I do it. If you want, you can turn in your books, uh, your Bibles, to Romans 3.10. Romans 3.10 and 3.23. And as you're turning there, I will read, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Mr. Friend on the plane, no one's righteous. Not me, not Pastor Brooks, not, not Brother Brock. Nobody's righteous. In fact, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So everybody's sinned, right? But if you look at my Bible, you can't always say it, but I'll... You take my word for it. I've got these Bible highlighters. They're amazing tools of the trade. They don't bleed through the other page of your Bible, and you can highlight what you're trying to show to somebody. So they're just Bible highlighters. They're a great tool of the trade. I also got these tabs. Most of us will tab out our Bible to certain things for knowledge. I tab out my Bible at least in one spot for soul winning, so I can turn right to the verse that I'm trying to go to. And they're great tools of the trade. So I have both of these marked out in highlighter, and... For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So do we measure up to what God expects of us? And I'll show a gentleman or lady. It's okay, you're leading someone to the Lord to help them with the answers. Now, in the end, we're not going to give them the answers. If they can't answer it themselves, it might not be their time. But right now, it's in the beginning. We could be drawing blanks. Both could be kind of nervous. Do we measure up to what God expects of us? No, it says we fall short. 
So there's a punishment for our sin in Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. As you're turning there, I'll read, For the wages of sin is death, and I have for the wages of sin is death marked out in yellow, but the rest is marked out in bright orange. And um, most people know what a wage is, but I'll ask someone, hey, do you, do you know what a wage is? It's a payment, right? So according to this verse, what's God's payment for our sin? It's death. But God's not talking about death in the first physical sense. He's talking about a spiritual death. He's talking about a second death, heaven or hell. And most people, even the atheists, even people from other religions, will admit about the soul. I've rarely met too many people that don't believe. I don't even think atheists truly believe that. But uh, most people know we have a soul. And that's what he's talking about here is the wages of sin is death. There's a second death. In fact, now that we've tied that together, we're going to go to Revelation 20, 14 and 15. Revelation 20 and 14 and 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. We were just talking about that, weren't we? And I'll say this to the gentleman. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Now, if we go down to Revelation 21, 8, says a fearful, unbelieving, for sake of time, I'm going to go a little quicker. I won't read the whole verse, but it also says all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. It's all tying together now, isn't it? The second death. Now, all liars is written there. Now, you don't always, you know, you'll start to get your own thing when you're evangelizing, you know? You don't have to talk about it. I always find a need to, if someone has a little time, I talk about this. Because I have had some people be like, well, is telling a lie make me a liar? And I say to them, well, how many times do you have to murder to be a murderer? Just once. Well, how many times do you have to steal to be a thief? Just once, right? So how many times do you have to lie to be a liar? Just once. And the Bible does say that he, paraphrasing, he that offends in one offends in all. You only need to sin once. There was only one perfect man. We're about to find that out, right? So yes, even telling a lie is in the same Obviously, lying and murdering isn't in the same gravity, but it will commit you to hell because we can't be put, we're falling from grace, and you, 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 you all know that. So I'll ask Mr. Man on the plane here. So according to this verse, where are all liars going? To the second death, hell, right? But God loves us, right? He doesn't want us to go to hell, you know? But if he said that and it's in the Bible, obviously it's true, so we're going to go to some beautifulness right now in the Bible, Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in yet that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And this is where it gets fun, because we all love Jesus Christ, and we all want to tell people how we feel about him. So how do you tell the story of the death, burial, and resurrection? I, 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 at this point, because I'll ask somebody, hey, do you know the story of Jesus? 90% of people will say yes. Pastor Brooks is right. Nowadays, knocking doors out there, there are people who don't even know the story of Genesis. There's people that, yeah, I rarely meet people that say, here comes them Baptists again with their soul-winning KJV Bibles. You know, some professed Christians know how we believe, but they need us out there. Not a lot of people know the story of Christ, believe it or not. So you know the story of Jesus. He's... Um, comes down from heaven, form a man, right? Born of the Virgin Mary, perfect. He lives a perfect life, kind of life that none of us could ever live, right? He never sins. He never steals. He never murders. He never does anything wrong. And then um, he lives a perfect life. 
They put them on the cross. They spit on them. They mock them. They make fun of them. The Bible says he himself bare our own sins in his body on the tree. So that means when Jesus was on that cross, he took on the sins of the entire world. All of our sins, all your lies, all the murder of the world, all the lust of the world since the beginning of time. No wonder. Some people will talk that stuff, and I used to say it too, that, you know, hey, many people were crucified back in the day, but no one took on the sins of the world. <laughs> you know that burden? No one, no one can get that. He takes on the sins of the world, and that's, that's evangelizing. When you can start to talk like this to someone, tell your own little tidbits to it. He takes on the sins of the world, um, and he dies. You know what happens next, right? And I'll do a reference like that. Some people are listening to me, but sometimes it sparks the memory. He rises again, doesn't he? That's right, Mr. Man on the Plane. And so he rises again after three days, and I'll say, um, well, do you think that Jesus died for everyone? Most people will say yes. Even if they don't, you can continue. That's right. Jesus did die for everyone. The Bible said he's not only the perpetrator for our sins, but the sins for the entire world. But the question is, do you think everyone's going to heaven? Probably not, right? right? And there are some people, especially um, worldly types who I pray for, that don't want to believe in the kind of God that will punish people. It's very common, actually. But... That's not, I'm not here at the doors or evangelizing to anyone to get into foolish debates right now. I'm trying to show you the gospel. So let's go back to Acts. And we're actually going to go back to Acts 16.30. Thank you for changing your Bibles so much tonight. Acts 16.30 and 31. Brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I'll ask the person I'm evangelizing to. It's a good question, right? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And I'll stop here for a moment and let you know, talk real quick about context, because I love this part in this Bible here, but context. So I was training soul winners several, several years ago, and they'd be at the doors, a couple of them, right? And they had all their verses memorized. They had their Bibles marked out. And then, so they would be like, you know, so um, all have come short of the glory of God. And the person at the door would be like, okay. And then they'd be like, okay. And the next person would say, okay, okay. Then we turned the page. He was like, for the wages of sin is death. And the person at the door would be like, okay. And he'd be like, okay. 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 So I realized something that I was doing wrong. Context. What are you trying to get this person to understand and say back to you? Context. Context is on the card here. There's only one way to God, then the verse. So it's not just about getting someone to repeat back what you've said. You want them to understand it. You want them to remember it. You want them to feel it. So context, what are you trying to get this person to say? So we turned to Acts 16, 30, 31, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And I'll ask Mr. Man on plane, so what does that say you have to do to be saved? And I'll put my finger on the Bible right there, believe, and I'll show them. It says believe, okay? Does that say you have to go to church to be saved? Does it say... You have to be baptized to be saved. Did it say you have to be willing to give up your sin to be saved? What does it say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So in the beginning when I was preaching at 1625, 
I, I say this sometimes. I, I love this part when I'm evangelizing. I'm, I, sometimes I'll say before, if I have time with the person at the door and their patient, I'm like, so there was a miracle. Paul and Silas were locked up in the jail. And there's a miracle, and their chains and shackles are broken. And at this point, they were slightly high-profile prisoners. So in Roman times, the guard comes in, and he said, they said, watch him. Don't let these guys go. He thinks he's gone. So the prison keeper is going gonna, is gonna to kill himself. Because back in those times, that's how you would keep your money with your family, even if you failed in your duty. So that's one of the reasons he was going to kill himself, because he thought they were gone. Paul comes out and says, see you do it not, we're right here, right in time. What's it say right here in 29, verse 29? He called for a light and sprang in, came in trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas. He was trembling. He was scared. I would say that he was admitting that he was a sinner. He knows that he did wrong. Then he knows there's going to be a punishment for his sin. He's trembling. He's not scared because, you know, hey, I'm, nothing has happened. A miracle has just happened. He's an example for us to learn by. And then he does believe in his heart, and he asks. He says, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So that's admitting and knowing, believing and asking. Step to salvation. And you can read the next two verses, but, and they spake on him, unto him the word of the Lord, verse 32. And all that were in his house, their soul winning. He, she, that wins souls to the Lord is wise. Know your verses. Know where to go next. Know your context. Know this card. Sometimes I pass out this card when I'm done with the end of it. I say, a lot of times I do this. I just, I'm a talker, you know. But everyone offers something different, you know. Some people are more calm, and they want that at the door. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm outgoing, and, and I just, I talk a lot, but I, I'll squeeze in, and I'll say, we got Sunday services in the morning. We got programs for your children. We got a van if you're local. Come pick you up. Um, we got prayer, prayer works constantly, pray without ceasing. If you have anyone on your prayer list, give us a call. This card gets a lot done. What's that, Brother Brock? It's too big for you to carry around? Ta-da! Same information on it. Look at the size of this thing. Put a hundreds of these in your pockets. Hand it to someone. If they have a few moments, talk about it. Um, something that I, I like to do is drop a seed. 80% of people I talk to evangelizing aren't ready. But I make sure I get a quick John 3.16 in, right? Everybody knows John 3.16. And I'll throw um, a little, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Um, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So that means you got to believe, ask the Lord to save you, and he will. If you ever need us, give us a call. We're here for you, you know? Make sure you have two verses to drop a seed on, whatever, whatever you want, and that seed can open later. It's very, I, love, I love planting seeds, and I pray on them always. Um, but even in verse 33, and he took them the same hour that night and washed their stripes and were baptized, he and all his straightway. So it kind of says that Paul and Silas went to his house and evangelized to him. I'm imagining at that time, since the New Testament wasn't written yet, that they talked about how the Messiah was coming, Old Testament stuff and how he has come, and he has risen, and you're good for believing on him right now, you know? Evangelizing is, is as powerful and as strong and alive as it was in the days that it is, is existed, you know? It's, it's still here. So at this point, I'll be like, let's go to the fo- most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. 
John 3.16. And as you see, I got my Bible all tabbed out, so it's easy for me to find. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But verse 18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So it, my Bible right here, I have both those verses all yellowed out in a, in a bright highlighter, but I actually put orange on the word on. Okay, I knock doors, I evangelize whenever I can, whenever the Lord gives me the boldness to do it in a time. And I meet plenty of people all day long that say they believe in Jesus Christ. He was a good man. He existed. Islam believes in Jesus Christ. I think he's written in the Quran. But when you put your faith on Jesus Christ, you're saying, what I am going to do is put my faith on what he did on the cross to get us to heaven. You see, nothing we can do can get us to heaven. We fall short. We're sinners. But when you say you're putting your faith on what he did on the cross, that's how you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the difference between believing in. We can see just from these three verses, believe, believe in, believe on. And actually, another tool to trade that I have is a reference sheet. I used to call it a cheat sheet, but Pastor Brooks is like, call it something else. <laughs> Brother Ken helped me call it. It is a reference sheet. But I have all these verses that I love that I can go to quickly, real quick, you know, um, and, and for different situations, whether I'm talking to a Jehovah Witness, I know this verse is good, all these beliefs. But what I do have is even a whole page of about 100 verses of belief, faith, believe, believe, believe on Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Verily I say, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. He that believe has the Son hath everlasting life, um, believe, but to him that worketh not, and believe, 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 it's all over the Bible, faith, faith, believe, put your faith on what Jesus did on the cross, that is the ultimate work, and that's what we can tell people when we're evangelizing to them, it's good news, and that's what the good news is all about, and um, if you're ready, and you're prepared, and you've thought about it, well, you can do it, and, and it's, um, there's nothing wrong with having a method, you know, I've, I've met people that do things completely different than the way I, the standard way that I do it, and um, it's pretty amazing, but if you're out there trying and you've got the Holy Ghost surrounding you, you're fighting the good fight. Amen. Now I like to go back to Romans 6.23, and we're going to start to tie it up, people. Folks. My wife said, say folks, don't say people. It's kind of hard for me. I'm a Yankee, huh? Um, <laughs> folks. For the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, a lot of you, you all older Baptists, you've seen this. But you'd be surprised how many people haven't seen it, right? And so, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, do you know what a gift is? And I'm saying this, and then you know what? This is where it gets personal with me. It's okay. I, I asked Mr. Gentleman on the plane, what's your name? He says, Mark. Okay, Mark. So do you know what a gift is? A gift is free. You receive it. So who's given us a gift here in this verse? And if he's, he's drawn a blank, it's okay. Point my finger on God is. So if God is going to give us, a t you know what eternal is? It's forever. It's everlasting. It never ends. So if God is going to give us a gift of eternal life, how long does it last? 
forever. It'll never end. So I'll say to Mark, I'll say, Mark, hey, let me give you an example, Mark. If I gave you my Bible right here, Mark, and I said, here, you take this Bible, it's yours. Who does it belong to now? It belongs to Mark. Well, what if I did that again? I say, Mark, I want you to have my Bible right here. It's a gift, but can you go wash my car for it? Is that a gift? If you have to work for it, it's not a gift. But if I give Mark this Bible, I say, Mark, I want you to have this, but can you give me $5 for it? Is that a gift? No. And um, if you had to pay for it, it's not a gift. But I give Mark this same Bible. I give it to Mark. He takes it. I say, Mark, it's yours. Who does it belong to now? It belongs to Mark. Now, can I come take it back in, like, let's say five years because he offends me? That would make me a thief. It would make me a liar. And the Bible says God, in hopes of eternal life, promised us before the world began. So once you're saved, you're always saved. You're, you're, you're a child of God. He's not going to take your salvation away. And sometimes I came up with this on my own. I've heard it said. But, you know, if, if, you, if you commit a crime and you go to prison, are you still going to be your father's daughter or son? You're always going to be, right? It's, it's sometimes a, a sensitive subject, but David's a good example. David committed adultery and murder. And he was lying, too. And I think about that sin that he did with um, Uriah the Hittite. Um, not only did he send him in battle to die, but imagine how men died that day in that impossible, possible uh, maneuver that he did. He'd go up that wall. Now, look, David didn't lose his salvation, but he was punished in this lifetime. Now, pastor talks about that, you know. It's called lasciviousness. You know what I mean? We're not going to go, are we going to go out and live however we want because we're saved? God forbid. Amen. But our grace will still abound, okay? It's going to abound. So I would say that I don't question people's salvation, um, but if you're going to go out and live a life of crime and you're not going to change even though you accept the Lord, well, I would say that you probably aren't saved, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. But if you really believe and you make some mistakes and you're truly repentant, you can trust that the Bible says you're saved. Amen. And then you're, 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 you're eternally his child forever. So now that Mark has this Bible, which is this gift of God, is a reference to this gift of God, it belongs to you, and I've explained it to him, can you ever lose it? No. You have eternal life. And this is where we'll start to tie it up. So I'll ask, I'll ask Mark, I'm like, so, and you can go back to admit, no, believe, ask. So do you admit you're a sinner, Mark? You do. You realize that? Do you know the penalty for your sin? I'm not going to answer for him this time. He's got to say hell. That's right, Mark. Um, well, do you know that Jesus died and was buried, rose again for you? So, Mark, if you were to ask right now Jesus to save you, would he? And Mark should say yes. And if he does, I would say to him, sure. Mark, would you mind if I lead you in prayer? And we're just going to tell Jesus right now that you, uh, you know you're a sinner, you know the penalty for your sin, and that you believe Jesus died, buried, and rose again for you, and ask Jesus to give you eternal life right now. And I'll say to Mark, you know, it's not what we're going to say that's going to get you saved. It's your belief in it, right? So sure, I'll lead him in prayer. Bow your head, Mark, and say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I deserve hell for my sins, but I believe you died. Repeat after me, Mark buried and rose again for me. Please give me eternal life right now, Jesus. I'm only trusting you. Amen. Now, Mark, did you mean that? According to the Bible, you're saved. 
And Jesus said his yoke is easy. Amen. I think Jesus wants as many people in his heaven because it, narrow is the path, right? I'm, I'm surrounded by a whole church full of people that are serving the Lord, okay? We're going the distance, okay? But I don't think there's nothing wrong with trying to get someone started in that salvation and letting them know how easy it is. We're battling the Jehovah Witnesses. We're battling the Mormons with their false doctrine out there. We're battling them with the truth, with the two-edged sword of the King James Version Bible, the Holy Ghost. And what we can do is bring the truth. And even after that, I just kind of get into it. I go to some of my favorite verses, kind of tabbed out here, just to make sure Mark understands. I say, for by grace are you saved through your faith. Not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? So we were saying right there, it's not of your works, good or bad, you, can, you, you are saved. And I love going to this one too. Um, Romans 8, 37, one of my favorite verses, actually Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things that come present... He's just talking to us. He's letting you know you are a saint. You are my child. Nothing can take you away. Don't ever let you, anyone tell you you can be taken away out of my bosom and heaven. Nor height, nor death. He's still not done. Nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is such good news. That is such a beautiful thing. That makes me feel so good. Um, Jesus said, I'll never leave or forsake you. He didn't say, maybe I'll leave or forsake you. He didn't say, well, you know, if you start messing up or I'm going to leave. He said, I'll never leave or forsake you. It's a beautiful thing. And um, right here in John 10, 28, I give unto unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's a beautiful thing, you know. I just challenge... Everyone, if you haven't done it in a while, and if you are, sharpen your sword. We should be out evangelizing as much as possible at any moment. I like the brother who preached this weekend. It says, it's one of the first things you could say to someone. I'm like, he's kind of right. Wayne Robinson, servant of Jesus Christ. How are you doing? Let me, let me, you know, is there anything else? Everything else is small talk, but do you understand the information on this card? You know? Do you understand the information on these cards? Let me tell you about it. You know, um, I thank you all for letting me talk this today because I just wanted to try to encourage your evangelistic style and make sure that we have our Bibles ready. Make sure we understand the invites. These are beautiful invites. I really thank the print and press. Um, if you ever need, I could help you set up your Bible. We could go over some different styles you want. I've got tabs. I've got Bible highlighters. Um, make sure you have two verses memorized. John 3.16, maybe... Maybe something you want. A couple verses you could just drop with someone always, even if they don't have time. Plant a seed. Maybe it'll open later. Pray on it. And um, right now, Brother Jarrett Benson has been leading a group going out soul winning on Saturdays, knocking doors in Rapid City, putting the information from the printing press into people's hands, letting them know that we have services, letting people know that God is good. And here at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, you're welcome. We'll send a van to pick you up. Whatever we can do to lead you to discipleship and maybe even to get baptized. You know, so in genuine love at the doors is something that I think that I'm hearing some churches start to talk about will be different a little bit about the way soul winning has been done before. Because there has been some number counting soul winning. People 
treat it like poker chips. I got four. I got two. Go fish. You know, it seems a little bit like, you know, and I, there's some, there's some um, dissension here and there. But just because I've even seen it one time, as, as, I, as I close up here, folks, someone knocking the sinner's prayer recently, and then they show a devil like Joel Olstein doing the sinner's prayer with people and saying they're saved. Well, just because the devil has got his hands thick in the Bible, okay? He's trying to corrupt us. He's trying to take us down. So it doesn't mean that door-to-door soul winning is, and evangelizing through the Bible, Romans Road style, is not valid. It just means that we've got to make sure we're doing it from love from our hearts. I've seen people do the same exact verses with me, and I just, I don't feel them. But, and I'm not bragging, my works are but a filthy rag if I'm doing that to get in heaven. But I'm saying if you do it with love, and you know your verses, and you're ready, you can have fruit in heaven. Who doesn't want that? And that's our number one dictate of our Lord. It's what's going to really make us continue steadfastly and to be a church in action. As we strive together, we can all really um, start getting the gospel out before it's too late, like a lot of these songs are saying today. Um, So I'd like to talk about that one other day. I think I have some um, ideas about door-to-door soul winning and evangelizing all together um, and a revival on um, how we can start showing more genuine love at the doors and doing some follow-up and really showing people Christian charity if they need it from our church. Even Brother DeGarmo said, having a food bank. Well, we have feet, we have mouths to preach, we have people here that could go to them all together. And if you're not a speaker, come out and be a silent partner. And, um, and I think that we could all really make a huge difference in Rapid City where the devil will finally be like, you know what? I'm skipping Rapid City because Liberty Baptist Tabernacle has got that town locked down, moving along. And if he goes to Sioux Falls, we'll follow him and we'll get the gospel out. And we will preach and preach and preach until Jesus comes back. Amen. Lord God, thank you so much for allowing me to bring this message. I just hope that it came through with love. There was times when I um, didn't evangelize for a long time And I felt guilty about it, so I'm not here to judge anybody. But I am here to challenge everyone to sharpen their swords and to be ready to give the gospel. Thank you for this Wednesday night. Um, um, Thank you for this church. I love everyone in this church. And I thank you all for your services and for your support and your love. God, Jesus Christ, protect us as we go home. Protect us on our weeks. In your name we pray, God. Amen.